0: Thank you for listening to the Alliance Church podcast. We desire to connect you with God and one another, whether here in Wisconsin or around the world. Let's listen into this week's message. Good morning and welcome. My name is Brandon. I'm the pastor out here at Alliance Church Ortonville. And if it's your first time, if you're just checking us out, I'm, just, I'm glad you're here. And uh, I hope you just feel welcome and, and, and loved. And uh, this morning, here's my question. Uh, this, this is going to be a bit direct, but uh, when it comes to following Jesus, are you all in? Or are, you, are you holding something back? When it comes to following Jesus, are you an all-in disciple? One of my favorite examples of an all-in follower of Jesus is named Evelyn Brand. Uh, and she was someone who, who just kind of said, no matter the cost, no matter the circumstances, I'm in. I'm in for life. Have you ever heard her story? Have you you ever heard of Evelyn Brand or more commonly known as Granny Brand? Uh, She and her husband, Jesse, served as missionaries in India in the early 1900s. And they would travel the Death Mountains of southern India by foot or by horseback, preaching the gospel and administering medical care. And their dream was to establish gospel work on five of the mountain ranges in the area. But after having established the, uh, such a work on just one of those mountain ranges, her husband Jesse uh, got a severe case of malaria, which turned into black fever, and he passed away. And so Evelyn was left there, a widow, uh, but she continued to serve. Uh, and in addition to the hardship of serving in such a harsh place with such harsh conditions, uh, she was often held back from various ways. Even by the, the, the very mission that she served, she was held back because she was a single woman and she was vulnerable and the work was dangerous and so on. In fact, in, in her late 60s, the mission told her that she had to retire, you know, she was too old, and the work was too hard, and it didn't make sense to send a 68-year-old woman back to India for another five-year term. And so she pleaded with them, send me back for one more year. She said, I won't, I won't cause any problems, and I promise I will retire at the end of the year. And they, they did. They, they, they permitted it. They allowed her to go back for another year, a final year, but they mandated that she serve in the lowland area, uh, which was safer and had better, better medical care and so on. And so she submitted to that, and she spent that year serving and, and living in the lowlands uh, as the mission had required, but every second she had a little bit of time off, she would head to the mountains and she would get back to work. And at the end of that year, she kept her promise to retire. She had told them, I'll I'll retire at the end of the year. And as her colleagues were gathered around to say goodbye and expecting her to get on a ship and head back to England, she surprised them all by basically saying, well, if I'm retired, y'all can't tell me where to live anymore. She probably didn't say y'all because she was British, but uh, she said, if I'm retired, you can't tell me where I have to live. So she packs up all her stuff, goes rogue, and moves to the mountains and gets to work all on her own. And for roughly two and a half decades, Evelyn, who eventually gained the loving nickname Granny, continued traveling those mountains by horseback and on foot, telling people about Jesus and providing medical care. And she suffered All sorts of sickness. She suffered various injuries on multiple occasions in her old age. She fell because of the rugged terrain and broke various bones. Eventually, to walk, she had to use two bamboo canes. When she could no longer keep herself upon a horse, she paid men to carry her from village to village. And she would preach the gospel, she'd tell people about Jesus, and she'd provide medical care. And she did this until the very last week of her life. When she died at age 95, God had used Granny Brand to establish gospel work, not just on the four, of the five, uh, four remaining uh, ranges of those five mountain ranges, but two additional mountain ranges And not to mention, she had basically eradicated the parasitic disease known as the guinea worm from the entire area. Evelyn, Granny Brand, was all in. She was an all-in Christian. Now, we won't walk the same path as her. But we will all face hardship. We will all be tempted to leave Jesus. We will all be tempted to choose a path that seems like a little bit more comfortable or a little bit more safe or maybe has just a little bit better medical care or has just a little bit better retirement plan. We will all have our commitment to Christ tested. We will all have to choose between turning back to our old life or persevering in the work for which God has put us on this planet. And the Bible tells us that God doesn't want us to be half in. God doesn't want you to be a half in Christian. Because half in Christians are not long haul Christians. You get that? When we're half in, we usually don't make it for the long haul. It's like that part we hold back from God seems to gain more and more influence over our lives until the point it eventually wins. So, we either got to surrender it and say, No, God, I'm not holding back. I'm not even going to hold back 1% from you. I'm 100% in Christian. Now, this passage of scripture we're going to look at today uh, will make it clear that Jesus is the type of Lord who is looking for people that will say, I will follow you, period. No conditions, no contingencies. Luke, chapter 9, verses 57 through 62. Now, we're going to read... Jesus is going to act with three, interact sorry, with three would-be disciples. And he has something very hard to say to each one. Now, the hard sayings of Jesus are hard in one sense because sometimes they, they, they kind of don't make sense. They're hard to understand. But ultimately they're hard because they're hard to accept. They're a hard pill to swallow. They're hard to live out. Now that's what we're gonna read here. And before I read this Luke, uh, last paragraph of Luke, I want you to ask yourself the question as we're reading this, why did the author write this? This This is a helpful Bible study tip. If you want to understand what a passage means, a portion of a, of a book, you got to ask, why did the author write this whole book? Like, the, 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 the meaning of the passage could never be divorced from the purpose of the entire work. For example, if I write a to-do list for my children and I say, hey, by the time I come home, I want to see... Uh, clean dishes folded laundry a vacuumed minivan and uh, uh, maybe a, a, a swept kitchen they, they, they can't mean anything other than that like they can't look at that list and go well I think actually that one means dad wants us to go out and buy new vi- so get the credit card this is this must be a stuff he wants us to go buy Well, well, let's go buy a new van and buy some new dishes and maybe some new clothes and so on. No, you can't do that. You can't separate the purpose of the to-do list, any item on the to-do list, from the purpose of the to-do list. Does that make sense? Luke wrote his uh, gospel to a man named Theophilus. And we don't know a ton about Theophilus. But he told Theophilus exactly why he was writing it. Luke chapter 1, verses 3 and 4. Let's look at this together. It says, It seemed good to me also, having followed all things closely. He's talking about everything having to do with the the, uh, life, death, and resurrection of Christ. Having followed all things closely for some time in the past... To write an orderly account for you, most excellent Theophilus. Here's why. Why did Luke Luke write this? He says, that you may have certainty concerning the things you have been taught. That means, you hear what he's saying there? I'm writing this to you, Theophilus, so that you can know with certainty that these things, the things I'm going to write in here, actually happened. That means every single piece of the book of Luke serves that purpose and it cannot be outside of that purpose so what we're about to read Luke wanted Theophilus to know that Jesus said this so here it is Luke chapter 9 as they were going along the road someone said to him I will follow you wherever you go and Jesus said to him Foxes have holes, and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. To another he said, follow me. But he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. And Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but first let me say farewell to those at my home. And Jesus said to him, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear what the Spirit says to the church. Would you, would you pray with me? So, Jesus, we've read your response to these three would-be followers. And I think the question you would ask us is how would we respond? Would we hold back or would we be all in fully devoted disciples? God, would you make us the type of people that say, I'll follow you no matter what. In Jesus' name, amen. You'll see that each interaction here is going to teach us something about what it really means to follow Jesus. The first interaction is going to teach us that following Jesus means choosing the risks of the kingdom over the comforts of home. Verse 57. As they were going along the road. Now pause, this is not just any road. Luke has made this clear in verse 51 that this is the road to Jerusalem. From this point on, Jesus is a man on a mission. He's got his face set uh, for Jerusalem. He's got purpose, and that is to fulfill his purpose, which is to die on the cross. So as they're going along the road, that's the road to Jerusalem, the road to the cross, the road to death. On that road, someone said to him, I'll follow you wherever you go. You notice the optimism. It seems like he doesn't really know what he's signing up for, does he? And Jesus must have sensed a lack of depth in this man's commitment because he says to him, verse 58, Oh, you'll, you'll follow me wherever I go, huh? Here, foxes have holes and birds of the air have nests, but the Son of Man has nowhere to lay his head. Translation, Jesus says, I'm homeless. You process that. Even animals have somewhere to call home, somewhere warm and safe and comfortable to be at when 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 the sun goes down. He says, "But I don't. Are you sure you want to follow me? I'm on the road to the cross. They're gonna kill me. You sure you uh you want in on this life? You sure you want to go where I'm going?" You see, following Jesus, who is the Son of Man, who has no place to lay his head, following Jesus involves uncertainty, it involves hardship, and it involves loneliness. An all-in disciple must choose the risks of the kingdom over the safety and the comfort of home. The second interaction shows us that following Jesus means choosing the risk. Uh, sorry, choosing the work of the kingdom over every other duty. The work of the kingdom over every other duty. <clears throat> Verse 59, he said, follow me. So this time he, he invites the guy. Follow me. But, but he said, Lord, let me first go and bury my father. Now, this seems like a reasonable request. The burial of the dead was of highest importance in Jewish culture. It was it was the sort of the ultimate time of honoring. And to honor your father and mother was a commandment. It, it made the top ten. So to bury one's father took precedence over even the most solemn of religious obligations. Yet in the eyes of Jesus, the the business of following him and proclaiming the kingdom took precedence over even this highest of duties. You process that. Can you think of a higher of a responsibility? And Jesus says, following me is even more important than that. Jesus said to him, leave the dead to bury their own dead. I believe this should be understood. Leave the spiritually dead to bury the physical, uh, physically dead. Does that make sense? In other words, let those who, just, who don't get it, let those who are, are not kingdom of heaven-minded people occupy themselves with earth stuff. If you're going to follow me, you've got more important work to do. But as for you, go and proclaim the kingdom of God. Jesus, it's like Jesus is saying, if you want to follow me, you've got to prioritize this, work, uh, this, this like life-giving work of, of proclaiming the gospel message of Jesus is king and he came to save sinners. We've got to proclaim that, and that's got to take precedence over every other carnal affair. It's like Jesus is saying, if you're going to follow me, we're not going to waste time burying dead people. We're going to bring them to life. We're not going to bury the dead. We're going to raise the dead because when we preach this message, people get born again. They become new. God saves them. An all-in disciple must prioritize the work of the kingdom over every other duty. In the third interaction, we see that following Jesus means choosing the work of the kingdom over anything in your past life. Verse 61, yet another said, I will follow you, Lord, but, <laughs> I will follow you, but, let me first say farewell to those at my home, like, before I start following you, you hear that? Yeah, I'll follow you, but I got some things to take care of first. First. But before I start following you, let me go back to my old life for a little bit. And now notice that Jesus doesn't prohibit him or even reprimand him. He simply issues a warning. This is a dangerous request. As you go back into your old life, you're gonna fall in love with your own old life again, aren't you? Verse 62, he says, no one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. You hear that? You follow that sort of uh, proverbial imagery. No one who puts his hand to the plow and looks back is fit for the kingdom of God. When I was 14 years old, for the first time, my dad let me seed uh, his field. And I remember him saying, Brandon, you got to focus. you got to focus. If you don't drive this thing straight, we're going to end up with crooked rows. And when this grain starts to grow, everyone will be able to see it. And all the other farmers are going to laugh at me. Listen, he says, I remember my dad, he said, Brandon, you want to plant my field? You better pull this thing straight. He was serious. Jesus says, listen, there's kingdom work to do. And if you want to spend your life doing work that is worthy of the kingdom, you can't look back. You can't. You can't be pining for your old life. And Jesus is reckoning even family ties must take second place to following him. The work of the kingdom requires singleness of purpose. Following Jesus means you're committed to staying faithful in the present for the fruit of the future no matter what's in your past. Do you hear that? God's got something for you to do. And if you're, if you're looking back, it'll rob what he's got for you to do today. And that's going to affect what happens tomorrow. Following Jesus means you stay faithful in the present for the fruit of the future, no matter what's in the past. An all-in disciple must choose the work of the kingdom over anything in their, path, in their past. Sorry. So think of this, all three of these together. An all-in disciple. What do they look like? Well, they, they choose the risks of the kingdom over the comforts of home. They choose the work of the kingdom over any other duty, and they choose the work of their past, uh, sorry, they, they choose the work of the kingdom over anything in their past life. So what, what does that mean for us today? Now, there's no specific command directly to us in this passage, but there are some very very clear principles to apply. And when you apply principles, there's always tension, because principles are applied differently based on different circumstances. So how this plays out in my life might look a little different than how it plays out in your life, and and so on and so forth. But big picture, I want you to notice that in all three instances, the person's response was not recorded you notice that why do you think that is I think it's because how they responded is not the point it's like Luke is saying Theophilus how will you respond and I ask you the same question this morning how will you respond are you all in Are you an all-in Christian? And I don't don't mean here, are you all in on this church? I I love this church, and I want you to be all in on this. But what I mean ultimately is that are you all in on Jesus? Have you given him a blank check to your life? And, And you said, Jesus, you fill in the amount. Anything, anywhere, anytime, I'm yours. That's the type of followers he's looking for. From the first man, we learn that every believer will be tempted to add just a little bit more home to their life. A little bit more. We'll be tempted to add just a little bit more safety, just a little bit more comfort, just a little bit more pleasure uh, to our life rather than adding a little bit more devotion to Christ. Here's the deal. This planet is not our forever home, is it? (laughs) No, there's a holy homelessness that Jesus invites us all to embrace. Like, if you're going to follow the homeless king, will you be okay being a little more homeless on this planet for him? From the second man, we we learn that every believer will have their allegiance to Christ tested. Even if the duty is honorable, we cannot say to Jesus, unless you let me do this, I won't follow you. Are you willing to say, Jesus, I'll follow you no matter what? That, that, that thing is important to me, but either way, I'm yours. I'm still going to follow you. I'm still all in. From the third man, we learned that every believer will be tempted to abandon the ministry that God has given them and, and, and pursue something in their old life. I want you guys to know that every believer has a ministry. In the same way that there's no such thing as a farmer without a plow, there's no such thing as a believer without a ministry. God has put you on this planet to do something that only you can do. No one else can be the father of my children. No one else can be the husband to my wife. No one else can fulfill the exact gospel ministry that God has given me. No one else can proclaim the kingdom of God to the people that God has put into my life but me. And the same is true of you. You got people in your life that you are the one and only person who is going to proclaim the kingdom. Man, there's a king. He came, he died, he rose again, and he promises to save anyone who will repent, believe in him, and surrender their life. That's an important message. God's put people in your life so you can say just that. But pining for yesterday always robs faithfulness from today. So when you find yourself longing for something from the life you left behind, will you be willing to say, Jesus, I'm moving forward with you? Jesus, I got my hand on the plow and I and I want to let the labor of my life be fit for your kingdom. Big picture. These sayings, they're not meant to be palpable or even practical. They're meant to shock us into realizing how serious Jesus takes discipleship. With each one of these verses, Jesus is just drawing, it's like he's drawing a line in the sand. And he's saying, you want to follow me? None of this stuff's up for negotiation. (laughs) It's it's kind of Jesus' way or the highway. It's a my way or the highway situation. So you want to be an all-in disciple? The person of Jesus and the priorities of the kingdom must be second to none in your life. So I ask you, what are the contingencies or the conditions that you're placing on your allegiance to Christ? Anthony, would you come back up? What's the thing? that You say, Jesus, I'll follow you unless X Jesus, I'll follow you but X. Whatever the X is, however you fill that in, that's the contingency that you're holding on to, the condition. I'll follow you unless it gets too hard or unless it gets too lonely or unless it gets too risky. Or Jesus, I'll follow you but i got to make sure my friends and family are going to still like me. Or Jesus, I'll follow you, but I don't, I don't ever have to be in an awkward or uncomfortable situation. Or Jesus, don't make me be associated with those weird church people. Or Jesus, I, I really just want to live a life that's a tiny bit more affluent. Uh, Jesus, I'll follow you anywhere. Just don't let it hit my bank account too hard or my calendar or my personal goals or my social status. What is the but? What is the, how do you fill that in? Here's my challenge. Identify that condition you're holding on to instead of going all in. Identify that X. Jesus, I'll follow you unless X. Identify that. And take time to decide to lay it down and follow Jesus. Would you close your eyes and let's pray. And then as you mentally decide to lay it down and follow him, we're going to respond by singing an old hymn that sings this exact truth. Now, Jesus, would you help us not let anything stand between us and following you? Would you make us all in disciples?